1: So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.
2: Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for a mindful moment. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful challenges and events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive life's challenges, we can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, and motivation. Working together, we can learn and grow from any experience. So, let's get
0: started. This week, the staff at Work to Live had some homework to do. Not your typical homework, though. We were tasked with watching two documentaries. The Social Dilemma, from the founders of the Center for Humane Technology, and Hacking Your Brain, from PBS. In these documentaries, the subject of social media and how it is controlling our lives is examined by scientists, researchers, technologists, and activists. As an organization that promotes well-being and mindfulness, Work to Live thought that these pieces needed to be a part of our podcast. And what better way than to just sit down with each other, virtually, of course, and discuss our thoughts on it. In this talk, you'll be listening to Teresa McKee, the CEO of Work2Live, Jessica Brennan, our program manager, Vanessa Barajas, our program coordinator, and me, Melissa Sims, our social media director.
1: Now we've all watched The Social Dilemma and Hacking Your Mind, which is a series on PBS that included a portion, uh, one of the three episodes was on the same topic, which is the impact social media is having on our society. And I just thought it'd be interesting to have a discussion today. What did you think or what were your opinions? Especially now, I I do want to say, because we have really three generations here. So I think it's an interesting group to kind of just look at it and see if we agree disagree or what we think needs to happen or what our you know what's your use how much do you use social media
0: well my job is social media management so i do use it quite a bit <laughs> so i kind of have a different perspective i don't use it so much on a personal level anymore i try to kind of remove myself from it just because i get tired of it you know when you're doing stuff for work and then trying to manage that part of it, but then still have the personal stuff. It just gets to be too much and it's too much of a time sucker. But after watching, I think I watched first the Hacking Your Mind, and then I watched The Social Dilemma. And Hacking Your Mind was fascinating. I thought it was frightening and fascinating at the same time. The same thing with The Social Dilemma. But I was left feeling a little bit of a sense of doom, to be honest. (laughs) Did anybody else mm-hmm. feel like that?
3: I wouldn't say doom. My experience with social media is extremely limited. Back in the early 2000s, I was very active on MySpace.
2: <laughs> We're dating ourselves. Yeah, I know.
3: And then I think when, and when I went to college and everyone was like, oh, we heard about this thing, Facebook, like we got to get on Facebook. I knew how much time that I spent on MySpace that I was like, I can't, I can't do this again. I can't invest more time into like another social media platform. So I think that not getting into Facebook kind of just like made it so that I wasn't interested in and didn't really understand Twitter and like LinkedIn. So I never, or Instagram, like I've never done any of that. I don't have a lot of experience. So I kind of have like been like, I don't think it's a good place. Yeah. And from, from the PBS documentary, it kind of just like confirmed that it's really just like a way to be like, this is who I am. This is who you are. It's like setting yourself up to be against
1: another group. That's what makes the money, right? That's what draws in the, uh, even fake news draws six times more views than real news or truth. Mm-hmm. Although truth is debatable now. I don't know how we even know anymore, but what about you, Vanessa?
2: For me, after watching both videos it was it was shocking because the way I've always seen social media I've used it as a tool to stay connected and when I first got social media it was Instagram Instagram was a thing I just felt more connected actually to my friends and especially now that we're in the pandemic I feel like this is like the only way to stay connected to them. That's why it was strange for me to see it from this perspective because it felt so negative, but I've used it in a positive way.
1: I think that's a key point because the thing itself isn't evil or good. It's how it's being used. And I think what really opened my eyes was understanding the true depth of the manipulation. Because all of us believe we can't be manipulated, right? And I know, know for years in the workshops, in our trainings, we've included to get off of devices. From my perspective, it wasn't based on understanding that we're being manipulated, it started with the time sucking, It was such a time waster. And I recognized it myself because I started out on Facebook personally. And it was like, Oh, this is great. I can connect with family members out of state and I can connect with friends. And then, you know, I was in graduate school. So we had our own little groups and, you know, it's just this big social thing that seemed innocuous. But then I started noticing it was taking up a lot of my time. Then of course, later when I actually started studying it to put into the workshops, it was Unbelievable, even back then, and that's at least, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago that we really started including it in self care and in productivity. And back then, I don't know what the number is now, but studies have been done to show that the average person picked up their phone 159 times a day. So even if you only looked at it for one minute, which I don't know anybody who just looks at it for one minute because you read one thing and that's how it's designed, obviously, that we keep going, but even if you just looked at it for one minute, that's two and a half hours a day. So I have all these people saying, I don't have enough time to get my job done. There's not enough hours in the day. And that's really what got my attention originally. I still thought I was exempt from that. Like, I don't, I don't do much on social media and I don't you know, waste my time anymore. And I went on a writer's retreat up in the mountains north of Ojai with no cell service. So no TV, no radio, no cell service. The whole idea was to be secluded and write. And it was there that I caught myself Multiple times reaching for my phone, and I was like, Why am I reaching for my phone? It doesn't work here, right? So, there's clearly a habit in there. One of the things that I was really interested in from the uh, hacking your mind uh, program was that it really focused on the fact that both the problem and the solution lie in the fact that we spend almost half of our days operating out of habit, and it's that habit. That's the exact thing that the tech companies are trying to hack into is to get us to make it a habit of every, every down second you pick it up. Every time you hear a blip or a zing or a, a sound, or, I don't know what you call the bird <laughs> sound, but the chirp, it's like, you know, Pavlovian. We're like, oh, got to see what it is. Oh, got to see what it is. But it wasn't until I was on that retreat that I truly had to look at my own behaviors.
0: I think it's fascinating that in PBS special that they said Only two industries refer to their customers as users. users. One is drugs and the other is software. And I thought that was fascinating. And I know for me, I probably have a different perspective than everyone else on this call because I have kids and they are both teenagers. So they're at the age now where social media is, it's scary. It's scary how big it is. It's scary, the safety aspect of it. Um, the information that they have access to so easily, it's frightening. What spoke to me a lot in the social dilemma was that every single person that was a host on that show, none of them allowed their kids' social media accounts. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that created it. And they're the ones saying, listen, you aren't the customer. Your attention is the customer. And we are selling your attention to corporations Towards the end of the social dilemma, when they were talking about, I think it was the AI inventor. He was talking about how until we stop seeing ourselves in this this corporate way that everything is being sold with corporations, a tree is more valuable dead than it is alive. And what does that say about us now? Now we're the tree, the people, our attention, our values. It's worth more to a corporation then we're seeing our own worth without the social media, without the information. And I think that the way that they've made it so addictive is that it's easy. And the first thing I did after watching both of them is I deleted Facebook from my phone and I deleted Facebook from where you can have your saved tabs. I took it off of that. So now I actually have to physically type in (laughs) facebook.com to get onto the website instead of just clicking a button. You know, they all recommended get rid of the notifications, get rid of all of those things that it's it's stealing your attention. We have to stop giving it away so easily.
1: Well, I will say, I get more resistance, and you know, we teach a lot of different things and a lot of new concepts to people. And the one area that I get the most pushback on is getting off the devices. There was a study that came out just a couple of weeks ago that they or not a study, a survey, where forty percent of the people surveyed would give up a pet before they'd give up their phone. And it's like, oh God. <laughs> seriously, like, so people, dark. it's <laughs> people, people are so addicted and they don't realize it's doing things to us that we don't understand yet in our brain. And it's like, somehow we survived for a long time with the clunky phone on a wall and a cord. I think this is so addictive and people don't want to admit that they're addicted. So that even creates, it makes it more difficult to sort of switch it around. One of the things in the social dilemma that really disturbed me was they were talking about how these companies all experiment. They just put these little changes to see, can they change our behavior? Little tiny change here, can they change our behavior? And coming from psychology, like, or really anything, medicine, you, you have to have consent to experiment on people. You have yeah. to tell them what you're doing and have consent. And there's rules in place so that you can't cause harm to the people in the experiment. And it turns out billions of people are being experimented on psychologically every day.
0: I'm baffled at the lack of responsibility that these companies are taking. I believe it was the social dilemma again. They were talking about how, depending on your location, your geography, when you type something into Google and Google auto-completes and gives you suggestions, based on where you are, it's going to give you suggestions on what other people around you are thinking or searching for or whatever. So if you say, is climate change blank and it'll fill in real, a hoax, how can I change it? You know, there's there's different things that are coming at you. So then we wonder why, wow, why is there such a huge divide between one side and the other side and there's no gray anymore? Well, that's why. If we're not seeing the information, somebody else is looking at us going, God, how can they be so stupid? Because I'm not seeing the same information as they are the information that's being given to me as truth or fact is not really truth or fact. It's geared towards me for a reason because that's what advertisers are paying for.
1: Melissa and I discussed after watching these, like, do we want to continue boosting posts because that's advertising dollars we're giving to them. The only way this is going to change is for our behavior to change, right? So if we're going to support this, the only way you support it is money because money makes the world go round. We had this discussion about it and in reality, all of society is now set up this way. It's not like you can just say, I'm not going to participate at all. For most people, that that isn't realistic. So Vanessa, like you were saying, and especially during a pandemic, so like you were saying, you're connected with your friends and it's a po- it's a positive way to use it. I mean, I think everything we post as a company is a positive contribution. We're trying to encourage people or motivate people. I don't think that's where the problem lies. I think the problem lies in this, forcing information secretly to us. They want the most triggering things possible. They want us to get triggered. They want us to argue. They want us to call the other side stupid. That is an area where the only thing that I can think of is that we pull back so their revenue drops. Like, don't respond to those things that are that way. Don't go on unconsciously. To me, that's where the mindfulness piece steps in is... If we're not aware we're doing, it's like me reaching for the phone. I wasn't aware that I was picking my phone up that many times a day or turning to it. So I think one of the things we have to look at is why are we going to go on it? So, you know, let's see if you're going on it for your work, you know, that's your work. But personally, why are you turning to it? Turn off the notifications. It's truly hitting a part of your brain that gives you a dopamine hit. And people even resist that. They don't want to be disconnected not realizing that we've become more disconnected than we've ever been as a society.
0: Like you said, it, it gives you that dopamine hit when you get that ding, but then when you see those red bubbles, they've somehow programmed into us that if we have anything in that notification bubble, we need to take care of it. You got to get on it. You can't have that notification bubble there. Otherwise, you, know, you don't have it together or figured out. Just like the dopamine thing, it's scary that they have succeeded in The opposite as well, right? Yeah, it's like a shaming.
3: You know, I didn't have a smartphone until two years ago. And people thought, I I think I got one because I was like, people think I'm insane. Like people think that there's something that I can't be trusted or something because I don't have a smartphone. So I used to have like a regular cell phone. And I told you I don't really participate in social media, but even getting a text message now, my phone dings. I check it immediately and I feel this immediate impulse, like an, I have to respond to them because if I
1: don't, it's rude or something. I think there's social pressure. To speak to what you're talking about, Jesse. it's almost like because we can instantaneously respond or be connected like that, somehow it's become we should.
0: Even with kids, if you remember when we were kids, Jesse. I mean, we're a little closer in age than Vanessa and I, but we didn't have phones. There were pay phones, like maybe somewhere, but it's not like you could really find one. So when you're out playing with your friends, when the lights came on on the streets, you came home. And the parents weren't like, where have you been all day? What'd you do all day? Now we have LoJack on our kids. Like I can find where they are. <laughs>
2: any second,
0: And it's scary. It, it takes some of that freedom and individuality away from the kids where now they have no responsibility because you'll take care of it. You've got you know the lowdown on where they are, what they're doing, when they need this, when they need that. And now we all share a digital calendar and they don't have to take care of any. It is ruining society. And one of the Facebook founders on that documentary said that it is tearing away the very fabric of our society. That to me is frightening. And the reason that I finished those videos with that feeling of dread and doom is that their solution is to convince everybody there's a problem for us to be the ones to make it stop. I wish I had a little more faith <laughs> that the bulk of society would actually see there's a problem. And I don't know how that happens. I don't know what that looks like.
1: And I have to wonder, is the world really a scarier place or has all of this convinced us the world is a scarier place? So Vanessa, how would you feel if if you couldn't connect with your friends on social media only every three days, what would that feel like for you?
2: To not check. It's like, I would feel left out or if they would be talking about it and then I have no idea what they were talking about. It just, I don't know, it would feel very strange. And I have gotten better and I've actually looked into like how to turn off notifications, but it's like, I found it, but I didn't want to turn it off (laughs) because I didn't want to miss anything. Yeah.
1: So how old were you when you, when you got your first phone?
2: Oh, when I got my, oh, my first phone wasn't even a smartphone. And Mm. I begged my parents, (laughs) I begged my parents for a smartphone. I think my first phone was in sixth grade and I didn't get a smartphone until high school. Like being, thinking back, like being a kid, like, I wanted it so bad because I, I felt like left out. Everyone had a smartphone. But I think it was in The Social Dilemma where talked about like having a phone in middle school and how negative impacting it was for kids that age. And I'm actually very grateful that my parents didn't give me a smartphone at yeah. that time.
0: My son is 12, going on 13. He's seventh grade. And he's had a smartphone. For a little over a year now. He has no social media. He's not allowed to have social media. But still, you see that addiction to it to the point where I have to limit screen time. I have to put all of the restrictions on it where he can't, you know, get access to certain things. But even if I take all of those precautionary measures, the fact of the matter is that he still has that need for it. And that's That's, I think, the whole point, right?
1: That's why I was asking Vanessa too about like what age, because the younger you are when you develop a habit, then the more entrenched it becomes over time. And then I think it's painful. It's like, you know, somebody trying to quit smoking or telling somebody they can never eat sugar again or whatever. If you've done it your whole life and it's suddenly taken away, it's not reasonable to think that people are going to voluntarily say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore because it's hurting society. But I don't know that they're aware of personally how much it could be hurting them. From a mindfulness perspective, and I would love to hear if you have other ideas about this, but I think it's like not that hard, but you got to do something to break that cycle of responding to a machine and doing what it wants you to do. That's the scariest part about this. So to undo the habit, you've got to change the routine. So basically, if you're not being notified, you're not getting bells and whistles, you're not seeing the little bubbles, then what you can do is you can check it still as often as you want, but you've turned it around where you're in control. I want to check my phone now. It's not driving you. You're driving the behavior. I would say each time you go to pick it up, then just pause and think about why am I going to do this? Honestly, everyone that uses social media, an easy thing to do is simply get another app that tracks the amount of time you're using it because we do not judge well. You know, we'll say, oh, I have half an hour a day and it's four hours a day. You know what I mean? So just track the time. And then if you do that once and you're horrified because you couldn't finish important things, then you might want to consider setting a time limit. You know, I'm not going to use social media more than however many hours you want to dedicate. It's the conscious thought. It doesn't matter what the time is. And then be responsible to a broader perspective, I guess. The onus is on us for that, is make those platforms be more responsible to pay attention to what's happening at a legislative level. Maybe they do need some regulations in place.
0: And the other thing that I think is really important about the legislative aspect I don't know about you guys, but how many times when you download an app or there's an update to your phone and they send you that privacy policy, you read it? No, nope. I don't. I scroll through it because it's too long and it's legal jargon I don't understand, and I scroll to the bottom and say, "Agree." Well, what am I agreeing to? I have no idea. Maybe I should start reading that, and maybe other people should too. This is a good point with
1: regulation. If you don't agree, you can't use the app. right? right? Mm-hmm. So that's a weird thing. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't go into any other legal agreement that way. We need to take responsibility for critical thinking
3: and where we get our information from. It's like, because it's published on Facebook, we give it some kind of credibility when we shouldn't. It's like going into a bookstore and picking up a self-published zine and taking all of that information that whoever this is publish this as fact. Mm -hmm. And it's just, we wouldn't do that. But for some reason, if we read it on the internet or we read it on Facebook or whatever, it's like, Oh, this is fact. And it's just not.
1: So now I'll ask the same question. So Jesse, for you, how would you feel if you couldn't use your smartphone for once every three days? I honestly think
3: that I would be relieved I think I would be bored and I would really struggle at first because, you know, it's weird. I, ever since I got a smartphone, I spend a lot of time just watching stuff on YouTube. Like when I'm bored, like my attention span has been really affected. I don't want to sit and watch an entire TV show. I want to watch like 10 minutes of whatever it is, you know, and it's right there on YouTube. And I, so I think I would be bored at first and then eventually relieved and that, I have time to do other things. And I I don't know, it helped me like figure out the things that I want to do.
1: Yeah, I'd be relieved too. Melissa, I'm guessing yours might be different because of kids,
0: but. I'd be relieved. My schedule is so crazy that I don't feel like I would miss out on much. I'm really, really trying my hardest to stay away from my phone. It's gotten to the point where I have the opposite feeling about it now. Every time I see it, it's like, oh, I don't want to get on it you know. which is a good thing. I think that's a start. I did want to chime in, though. It popped into my brain. It's interesting now with the invent of the smartphone that none of us have landlines anymore. Right? So we're depending on the cell phone now to actually communicate with anybody. We can't just pick up our landline anymore. Well maybe that's why now you sleep with your phone because now you don't have that landline in order to call 911 if something happens in the middle of the night. But maybe we need to go back to that. Maybe wired isn't so bad.
1: <laughs> it's very hard to get addicted to a big clunky piece of equipment that you have to hold up to your ear, frankly it just is. So you know the thing we used to say in the workshops all the time is it's it's not a smartphone. It's a it's a device and you can use it smartly or not. And I think smartly in this case is really mindfully. It's really trying to figure out how do we use it for good. And I think the other thing maybe is exposing ourselves to what we consider the other side.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. One of the ladies in the social dilemma mentioned that, that she tries to fill her Twitter feed with people she doesn't agree with. Because then at least she's seeing what the other side is seeing and seeing why they believe what they believe. And I think that's one of the most important things that you can do, honestly. And okay. I do try to do that. It's another suggestion too. Before you share an article, and this, this drives me up the wall, before you share an article that you think is news, that you think is fact, we've discussed this before where real journalism is pretty much dead. So you have to do the fact checking. You can't rely on the journalists anymore. So now you need to go in, you see an article that you think is important for other people to know about. Why don't you make sure that the things in that article are true before you go and share it? And now it's got, gotten shared to a hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people. And it's just a domino effect. Yeah, it takes time. You don't know what's real and what's not. So just do a little homework.
1: Do any of you get your news from social media only, not from TV or reading?
2: I do primarily get my news from social media just because I don't want to sit down and watch the news especially if it's like an ongoing thing you're just sitting there watching it and it's negative stories after negative stories and then I just don't want to hear it so but then that is also a negative part when you're getting your news from social media is that you only get select news I do follow things like now this or stay tuned where it kind of does cover like worldwide news, but it's like, I don't know if I'm getting everything, you know?
1: Because that was one thing that I realized is different. I can turn on the TV and I can flip between CNN, Fox, MSNBC, like I can see the different perspectives. I check the source, like I really consider the source. So I don't have a problem watching the difference between now say Fox and CNN. I'm trying to be very mindful. I'm trying to pay much more attention to what's actually known versus what speculation or hyperbole or, you know, whatever it is.
3: I think sometimes even the, the tone can influence your opinion or your take on the facts. Like I listen to KPCC and I'm very aware that it's like a liberal leaning news source and you can hear it in the way that the jockeys or whatever, interview Republican politicians versus Democratic politicians. There's there's a tone there and like a, a prodding and that challenging that isn't there when they're talking to someone who has opinions that align with them. So I think you have to, you ha- yeah, listen for the facts, but also you've got to listen for the tone or like the more unconscious things that you're taking in as well.
1: Yeah, I find it really interesting. When we watched Hacking Your Mind, the one we all watched was the one that had all the social media stuff. And then there was another one coming that was going to have the solutions. And so I was all excited about the solutions. And then I find it really ironic that basically the solution is mindfulness. It's permeated our whole lives. So how much attention do you really pay every day? So I do think it's a good reminder. I do think it's a good prompt to get us to think about it. When they throw things around like civil war or tearing up the fabric of society or the whole world's going to end because we're not paying attention. I think in reality, there are enough intelligent people out there that this concept of paying attention, that's all this is, just pay attention to what's happening and try to be a little more open and try to realize that we're being manipulated. And not just just by these companies, other countries are manipulating us. But I think if we start bringing that into awareness and we do try to practice mindful social media participation then maybe we can help calm it down. I don't mean us four alone, but I'm just saying in general, I think there are enough people out there that don't like the way the world is. And if this is the solution, I mean, how hard is this? Just pay attention and be more open and less critical. Like quit screaming at each other and just consider, well, no wonder you think what you do because now I understand what you've been seeing for the past 20 years and vice versa. You know, maybe that's the beginning. So it's not even judgment. It's just discerning. When you hear something, see something, before you share something, just take that, moment to think, okay, why or how, or is it necessary? And start there.
0: It is very clear that some kind of action needs to be taken. What exactly that is remains to be seen. For now, it comes down to each individual taking a very honest look at how they use social media and what they might be negatively contributing to the machine recognize our behaviors, take small actions like removing notifications, and take responsibility for our own critical thinking. You can find The Social Dilemma on Netflix and the Hacking Your Brain series on pbs.org. The links can be found on our website, www.worktoliveproductions.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Stay mindful.
1: Life offers too many rich opportunities to just survive it, even during challenging times. Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. We encourage you to meditate every day, be mindful in your daily activities, and please stay safe and be well. Until next time! Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at Work to Live. A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, Media Right Productions. Breathwork Music, Angel's Dream, by Akash Gandhi. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. Thank you for tuning in.